Civics 101 is supported in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Civics 101. I'm Hannah McCarthy. I'm Nick Capodice. This show is often about understanding a law or a political event or process, something written down and codified. But the truth is, a lot of the time in the U.S., we do things because that's just the way we do them. That's the norm. So these are things that aren't formal laws, but we still expect people to abide by? Like there's no law that says you must not cut in line at the grocery store, but you just don't do it. Exactly, because if you did, you'd be a jerk. You'd also be setting a bad precedent. You'd be teaching people the wrong lesson. The way I think of it is if everybody started cutting in line at the grocery store, the simple act of paying for your food would dissolve into chaos. And the same goes for democratic norms. It's a a non-written down rule that um, is usually often kind of taken for granted and not even noticed as a rule um, until it's violated. This is Susan Stokes. She's a professor of politics at the University of Chicago and director of the Chicago Center on Democracy. So, you know, to give an example, um, it sort of goes without saying in general that um, the, um, that the outgoing president will attend the inauguration of the incoming president. And I'm not sure we would have even thought of that as a norm. We wouldn't have thought hard about why that is helpful or why it is anything more than just like showing up at an event um, until it, you know, now it's about to be, to be violated or not to be followed. So these aren't written, but they're customs and traditions. Like it is customary to address other members of Congress with ridiculously flowery language to not insult a U.S. ally. Uh, It's customary for a president to release their tax returns. And it's customary for elected officials to eventually accept the results of an election. What does that do for us? Well, it's part of a kind of peaceful transition of power that is part of the very definition of democracy. So it turns out to be incredibly important. Norms like fancy congressional language during debate, that keeps people polite and respectful and lets procedure flow. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I thank the gentlelady for yielding and congratulate her on her extraordinary leadership. It's basically a step above common courtesy and not punching below the belt. But not all democratic norms are like that. A lot of these norms actually do help keep our system going. Um, they do help us um, have a system in which you kind of channel what might be violent confrontation, conflict into peaceable you know, mechanisms for adjudicating differences. So you know, democracy is not about everybody agreeing, it's about shifting from a potentially violent arena to a peaceable arena. So democratic norms help us maintain courtesy, keep things on schedule, and keep the peace. Basically, these are all the little traditions that stitch a functioning democracy together. But I do see a glaring problem here, Hannah. We rely on a lot of these norms, but they aren't laws. It is perfectly legal to ignore them. You know, to put proper names on it, it's bad for Democrats and it's bad for Republicans. It's bad for anyone who is invested in a kind of ongoing system in which they can compete for power without risking violence and achieve power if they have, you know, if they have good ideas and and are able to get people to vote for them. So I, I do think that there should be a very strong bipartisan support for, um, for strengthening these norms. 
Are democratic norms ever made into law? Well, I think we're learning, <laughs> we're learning, getting a kind of crash course right now in um, the 14th Amendment and, you know, post-Civil War um, rules that were, were written into the Constitution that were um, sort of meant to deal with the aftermath and, and create incentives for to avoid another sort of, you know, violent, uh, you know, breaking apart of the country and a leader's acting in a kind of treasonous manner. In other words, what might have been considered a democratic norm before the Civil War, in this case office holders engaging in sedition or rebellion, became a constitutional law after that norm was violated. Which could potentially happen again? If not through a constitutional amendment, then maybe in U.S. code. Especially if norms are violated in frightening ways. Like a rebellion. Yeah, like that. In the meantime, these democratic norms that stitch the fabric of our government and politics together should probably still be followed. There's nothing else keeping them alive. What you don't want is a period of our history in which norms are challenged and shattered and you have a whole generation of young people thinking, well, those really aren't norms and therefore if some leaders don't follow them, they can't be very important, they can't be, we should cast them aside. You know, it's naive to think that those norms are, are anything real. That does it for Democratic Norms on Civics 101. You can listen to all of our episodes at civics101podcast.org or wherever you get your podcasts.